Luke chapter 8 is where we'll be this morning. Uh, And last week we talked about uh, the parable of the sower. It was all about hearing and how people hear and respond to the gospel, right? And some people respond and grow up in a flourish and then fall away. And some people let the the cares and stuff of this world choke them out, but then some uh, endure and are patient and (laughs) bear fruit and grow into maturity. And Luke actually continues on with this theme of hearing. And at first I'm thinking, how, how are these stories connected? Like, how, how are we going to talk about this? But let's look at it together, starting in Luke 8, uh, verse 16. We're going to look at three short stories. And I think Luke is trying to get across this point. If the wind and the waves listen and obey the word of God... How much more should we listen and obey the word of God? All right? I think that's the point today, so let's look at it. Verse 16. He says, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. You hear that? Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Verse 19. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Verse 22. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Let me pray. God, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for your word. God, and I pray that we would not just be hearers of the word, not just those who um, fill our ears and our minds with, with teaching that suits us, God, but that we would be hearers of the word and doers of the word. Your word calls us to a response, to doing it, to living it, to not just soaking up knowledge, but actually living out our faith. And so I pray this morning as, as we think about this and as we see this, these examples in Scripture of your teaching and your actions, God, God, may it move us to be obedient. May it move us to action, not just hearing, but doing your word, being obedient to your word. And so we love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. 
Amen. Let's look at verse 16. He says, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. The reason to light a lamp is because, one, because the electricity's out. Uh, anybody live like this for a few days during the freeze with lamps? Yes, okay. We didn't lose power. Don't, don't hate me, but we had it pretty good. Right? But many of us lit kerosene lamps or candles or whatever. And the reason you, you light that is for it to be seen. It makes no sense for the lamp to be lit only to be covered. Right? It's against its nature. It's against its purpose. It serves no purpose. He says, no, you don't light it and cover it. What do you do? You light it and you put it up high. You put it up high so it'll spread its light so that all could see. The reason we light the lamp is so that people can see. Right? And so what is Jesus saying here? Because he's not giving us a lesson on how to survive a freeze. Right? Can we agree on that? What is he saying about the spiritual? He's saying that, that our lives, once we know God, are meant to shine. It's meant to be seen. It's not meant to be covered. It's not meant to be hidden. It's not meant to be put to the side and we just kind of bring it out on Sundays. No, he's saying you are the light of the world, right? And we are meant to be seen. People are meant to see how we live and how we love. Now, this isn't a... Hey, look at me, look what I'm doing. Hey, look at, look at me help this homeless lady. That's not what he's talking about. But what he is saying is the way we live our lives, the way we treat one another, the way we love one another, the way we love strangers, the way we welcome strangers, all these things is our light. And it's not meant to be covered. Jesus is, is pointing out to us that we are to have a genuine faith that permeates every aspect of our life. Our faith is not meant to just be this thing between me and God, just this, this, this hidden thing under this cover. He says that, that's not the purpose. It's against its nature. It's against the nature of faith in God for that to be hidden. It's meant to shine. Look at verse 17. He says, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. You see, I think Jesus is saying it's silly for us to think that we could, we could light, we could have this faith and cover it up most of the week, most of the time, because the reality is nothing is hidden. Nothing is actually secret. Everything will be known and everything will come to light. It makes no sense to be two-faced, to be hypocritical, because the truth will come out, whether on this earth or in eternity. Now, I don't know about you, but the thought of everything being known, everything we've ever done, thought, said, whatever, the thought of that is fearful if you do not have forgiveness, right? The thought of everything that you have ever done being fully known, fully revealed, made manifest, the thought of that, if you have not been forgiven, is a scary, scary thought. 
I don't like people to know the bad things about me. (laughs) I don't want you to know that, right? And the thought of all of that being public, the thought of all of that being on the local Facebook group or whatever, right? Some of you live public lives and your junk is on the local Facebook group. But the thought of nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest. If you don't have forgiveness, this is a scary, scary thought. He says in verse, he continues on, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. In the end, our lives will be judged, not just by what we heard. It'll be judged by what we did, what we do, what we followed, what we, what we actually did. And if you do not have forgiveness, if you don't have salvation, that is a, a very scary thought this morning. But Christian, and we're going to celebrate it in a second, what, what we've experienced is that everything that we've ever done wrong, every broken part of our life, every messed up thought we've ever had was crucified on a cross. And it was forgiven, but not because we deserved it, but because Jesus loved us that much. And as scary a thought as this is, It's such a great thought for those of us who have forgiveness, right? Because we know that, yeah, all this stuff's going to come out. It's all going to be known. It already is known by God. And he loves me still. He knows it all and he loves me still. So he says, verse 18, Take care then how you hear. Take care then how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. It it makes me think of last week in the four different soils. He's saying, take care then how you receive this message. Don't just receive it. Ah, cool. All right, moving on. Got stuff to do this week. Don't just receive it and go, okay, I'm going to put that on the same level as everything else. No, no, no. He says, take care then how you hear. Because some people hear and it just goes in one ear out the other. Some people hear and they get excited for a little bit because they feel some conviction. But they don't, they don't establish roots. Some people hear, but then they, they let everything else choke it out. Right? He says, take care then how you hear. We are meant to hear in a certain way. And the way we're meant to hear is not to just soak up knowledge. It's meant to lead to obedience, to lead to shining our light, to lead to living out an authentic faith. Let's keep going. Verse 19. It says, Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. Now, listen, before you just go, man, Jesus was kind of a jerk, right? Like, what was his deal? He had family drama we didn't know about? No, that's not, that's, that's not what's going on here. Uh, Jesus, remember, he has drawn this large crowd. And his mother and his brothers, uh, I guess Joseph's sons, are coming to see him. They want to come see him. They want to come witness. They want to come be close. And I think they're asking for this kind of special access, right? Like, hey, we ought to be in this inner circle, right? Because we're your, your family. But because of the big crowd, they couldn't get there. And uh, now, Jesus gives this very interesting response. And I don't think he's being ugly or rude. He's not saying he doesn't want to see them. 
He uses this opportunity to define who the family of God is. He's using this opportunity to redefine who the people of God are, who the family of God is. Because for so long, for them, what it meant to be a part of the family of God was, my father is Abraham. I'm a Jew. I'm an Israelite. I'm of this tribe. I do this. I do this, right? It was all about their heritage. It was all about their bloodline. And so Jesus takes this moment and he says, My mother and brother are those who hear the word of God and do it. It's no longer flesh and blood that make you part of the kingdom of God. It's no longer your Jewishness, your family roots, any of that. He's saying, no, 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 no. I'm defining a new family of God. And here's who it is. It is those who hear the word and obey it. Those who hear the word and obey it. It's not just the Israelites who heard the word. They had heard the word their whole life. But they weren't living it out. He says it's those who hear the word and shine their light, not not cover it up, right? It's those who have faith and live it out genuinely. Now let's think about this. It seems like just a rude comment, but Jesus is saying something so much bigger. He's saying the family of God is open to everyone. That no matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, no matter what you thought this week, no matter where you messed up, no matter what family you're not from, you can be a part of the family of God, right? That's what we're celebrating here, that every single one of us has access to the family of God through Jesus, We don't have any Jews in here this morning, I don't think. I'm looking around. I don't see any yarmulkes and little braided things on your, whatever this is. uh, But all of us who are in Christ are included in the family of God. Why? Because at some point in our life, we heard the word that Jesus came to save me, that Jesus died on the cross for me. And if I put my faith in him, then I can be saved. I can be forgiven And those of us who are in Christ, who are now part of the family of God, we obeyed that. We repented from sin and we turned to Christ and we said, my faith is in you, Jesus, to save me. Now you're a part of the family of God. It's not because you're Jewish. It's not because you're a Smith. It's not because of any of that. No, it's because of Jesus and Jesus alone. Let's keep going. Verse 22. It says, one day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. And so they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. I don't know if you can picture it. I mean, I, I, you know, you got to put a picture of a boat in your mind, right? And they're sailing across the, the Sea of Galilee, most likely, And uh, it's not a huge place, but it would have taken some time for them to sail. And this is what my wife does every time we get on a long drive. She rides co-pilot, she falls asleep, right? No one to talk to, no one to help make decisions, no one to tend to the kids. Just kidding, she's not in here, so I can say it. Um, Jesus, in this co-pilot role that night, falls asleep. I don't know. Kind of weird, but whatever. Uh, and it says that as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake. This is not some small hiccup. 
And I've been on the lake one time with, with Josh Weaver where I felt like, oh, the waves are going to come over and we're going to fill up with water, right? And those, those were like, you know, six-inch waves or something. This is a big deal. The, the boat is filling with water. And, and there, if the boat fills with water, I don't think they had life jackets. Sorry, game wardens in the room. There were no life jackets. There was no escape plan. They weren't swimming to shore. They were perishing. And so these guys are fearful for their life. And somehow Jesus is still asleep. Anybody have a family member like that? Could sleep through? Uh, Yeah, okay, all right. So they go to Jesus and they say, Master, we are perishing. They fully believe this is their last moment. (laughs) They think that they are done. We are about to die. We just wanted to wake you up so you could die with us, okay? I think that's the thought. We are perishing. Come on, perish with us. And it says that he awoke and he rebuked the wind. He got up. I don't know if you can picture it. It's kind of weird. Jesus got out of the boat and he began to speak, but not to them to tell them to calm down, not to the captain to tell him to whatever. He spoke to the wind and he spoke to the waves. Now, if any of you did that this week on Rayburn, we would call somebody and we would have them come check on you, okay? But Jesus speaks and what happens? The wind and the waves obey. They ceased. There was calm. Why? Because the winds and the waves knew who had authority. They knew who was in control of them. And when their master speaks, they must obey. Right? This is how kids who are well-disciplined do. When their father or their mother speaks and says, hey, it's time to go. Get your things. Let's go. What do they do? They get their things and they go. Now, I don't have any of those kids. Um, and you don't either. Okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. My kids are great. Uh, but this is the idea. There's immediate obedience to the command of the Father, to the command of the Son of God. I, I, I can't put myself there and even imagine what that was like to go from I am dying to wow, he just spoke and stopped this whole thing. And Jesus turns to them and he speaks to them and he says, where is your faith? Where is your belief? See, they didn't have it because they thought they were perishing. We know they didn't think, let's wake him up and he'll do something about this. That was not in their mind because they thought they were dying. And so Jesus says, where is your faith? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I can do? Don't you know that I have authority? Haven't I proven it over and over? I mean, we've seen it so many times. He says he has authority over demons and disease and all sorts of things. But they had not extrapolated that to go, oh, wow, he can control even the weather. And he says, where is your faith? And it says, once they saw it, they were afraid and they marveled. And they said to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the waters? And they obey him. 
And as they're processing what they just witnessed, this this incredible miracle, and they're thinking about his teaching, the parable of the sower, and they're thinking about the mother and the brothers, and they're seeing the wind and the waves obey him, and they're going, wow, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And Luke writes this in a way to bring us to this point to go, are you obeying the word of God like even the wind and the waves? Are you hearing the word of God and putting it into practice and doing it? Or are you just hearing it and letting it fly away? Are you hearing it and just receiving it with joy but, but not establishing roots? Are you hearing it and, and not getting rid of the things that crowd out our faith? See, we're meant to, be, to come to this point to go, where is my faith? Where is my faith? See, this is the story of all of humanity. That Adam and Eve, our first father and mother, they heard the word of God. They heard. He told them what to do. And what did they do? They disobeyed. They did not do the word. And when you, don't, or when you are disobedient, when you don't do the word, what do we call that? We call that sin. Adam and Eve sinned against God, and their sin, instead of uh, keeping them in close relationship with God, it separated them. It created this divide because God is perfect, and God is holy, and he can't be around that which is sinful. And so when Adam and Eve hear the word but disobey, it separates them from their father. And every single one of us now, because we are in Adam and Eve, we have this same disease called disobedience. And if you don't believe that, just have a kid, and it won't take long for you to believe that every single one of us is a sinner who does not believe the Word of God, who does not obey the Word of God. Every single one of us. Now, we all have this problem, and we've all tried all kinds of ways to fix it. We've tried money, we've tried power, we've tried good works, we've tried religion, we've tried all sorts of things to fix what's broken, to fix this separation. And none of it has worked. And that's the bad news today. If you are still in your sin, if you have not been forgiven, if you are still there, then you will die and spend eternity separated from God. The God who knows all things and knows everything that you've ever done. And if you were to die today and if you were honest with yourself, you would know I've not been forgiven. I do not have salvation. That's the bad news. But the good news of why Jesus came was not to just point out our wrong. He's not coming to just be judgmental and go, how dare you? I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you thought that. No, why did Jesus come? He came to die on a cross to shed his blood in our place. He came to to bring us the good news that we, though we are God's enemies, have been made right with God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. He paid the price that we should have paid. And he gave us the reward that he deserved. He took the punishment that we rightly deserved. And now he offers this free gift of grace. This free gift of mercy and forgiveness to everyone who has faith in him who believes, who hears and believes. If you don't know Jesus and the thought of a God who knows all things, 
scares you today, I'm here to tell you there's forgiveness in Jesus. You got to put your faith in him. You got to admit that you're wrong. You got to confess. But there is a free gift of salvation that he has made available. And so we're about to celebrate that. And if you've never been in church, this may feel a little weird. We don't do it because it's cool. We do it because Jesus told us to do it. And we're going to remember his body that was broken for us. And we're going to remember his blood uh, that was shed for us. But if you want to talk about a relationship with God, I would love to stay around after. I'd love to meet with you this week. If you know uh, that you're not saved, if you know that you're not a Christian, I would love to talk with you. Um, Let me pray, and then our deacons are going to come forward, and we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the good news that it gives us. Um, God, I thank you that there is salvation. There is forgiveness. There is mercy. There's grace. There's pardon for sinners like me. And, And we don't deserve that, God, but you freely give it. And so I pray this morning as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we go from this place and we live with our, with our cover taken off and our light shining, God, I pray that we would proclaim this good news. That there's forgiveness for sinners like me. And so we love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.